This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Freaky Links, episodes 5 and 13. DeSanto's responsible for those cattle mutilations. Give Sherlock a pickle. Wait, okay, what about the desert squid? Because everybody in this town seems to think that's the responsible party. Who do you think created the desert squid? DeSanto. They made it, I know it. And they know that I know. And now you know. And DeSanto will stop at nothing to keep the truth buried. And what are you basing this on? The fact that I was there. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast recording its most erotically charged episode this week. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Is it erotic, this episode? Well, this podcast episode is. Oh, the podcast will be erotic. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, of course it will be. Yeah, I, it's... There's well, a, you know what episode it is? What's that? Five. It's episode 5 and 13. It's episode 69, Jordan. Oh, oh, the po- oh, I get it. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, I caught on. It just takes me a little while. Well, that's, that's the episode, Jordan, so get ready. Things are going to get real sexy. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> that's how you respond to come on yeah why not well it's, it's either why not or meh it's one or the other <laughs> all right well this is going to be our final episode on freaky links i feel like we've uh barely met these people before we've said goodbye to them but i have a feeling even if we'd watched all the episodes nothing would have changed well i have yeah i mean i have some mixed emotions on it i mean you know obviously those first two episodes were pretty bad but it does feel like we're ejecting a little a few minutes too early <laughs> Well, we do get to see the final episode, though, so we get to see all the changes that happen between 5 and 13. Jordan, do you have a segment for us this week? I do. I thought as a, as a little uh, send-off to uh, Freaky Links, we'd play uh, a fan favorite. <laughs> I decided it's a fan favorite because you and I like doing it. A uh, little bit of Who Would You Rather? And uh, I've obviously, as per normal, I have changed the categories to fit with Freaky Links. So you can pick out of the characters... Uh, of the options I give you. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, so the options are, and you'll have to pay real uh, close attention to this, Luke. Option one, invest in a paranormal website with, or... Deny you have any feelings for a person in any way to create a character relationship that isn't shown or developed at all. Or lock in the sewer with mole people. Oh my god, this is so complicated already. Yeah. Paranormal investigate with have no feelings for or mole people. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it, I guess. Brevity has never been my thing. All right, give it to me. We have four rounds. First round, I've called useless sidekick. And you'll notice uh, I've tried to get every uh, as many shows we've done over the last two years as possible. So, useless sidekick. We've got Jason, who's obviously from Freaky Links. We've got Sid Gomez from Tech War. And Jeremiah J. Jones from Steel Justice. There, There's also another connective tissue there. <laughs> Is there? Did you pick all black characters? <laughs> you know what? I didn't see that till right now, but yes, I did. 
<laughs> well, uh, we'll just leave that subtext right there. Well, I, I didn't. It's not my fault. All right. Let's see. I'm going to... Uh, I don't even know what these equate to, so it's really tough. I guess I'm going to start a paranormal investigation website with Sid Gomez. Hmm. I'm going to have no feelings for or maybe do and deny them for Jason from Freaky Links. And I guess that means I'm sending uh, J. Jonah Jameson to the uh, mole people. It's Jeremiah J. Jones. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I agree with you. I think you got to send uh, Jason to the sewer because we don't know anything about Jason. Six episodes. Well, that's not true. That's a little teaser. We do learn one important thing about Jason in one of these episodes. But, I mean, that character is just the worst. Not any fault to the actor. I just, like, there's no reason for him. He was starting to grow on me by the end, but I mean, he's he's uh he's, he became the voice of reason after a while. Hmm. Well, let's just keep moving. Round two, female character the writers can't figure out how to use, and the options are Chloe from Freaky Links, Florence from Harsh Realm, or Harper Smythe from Planet Earth. Oh man, can I just send them all to the mole people? Sure, why not? There's no rules. I was trying to think of which one I like. I was originally like, it's got to be Florence the Mole People. But I'm like, you know what? I think I might like Florence the best. <laughs> I think Florence is the best of all the characters. I mean, they don't do anything with her, but she has cool powers, kind of, maybe. So Florence from uh, Harsh Realm, paranormal investigation business. I guess Harper Smythe is uh, maybe no feelings that I'm hiding. And then Chloe to the mole people? I agree with you on that. I think that's the only way you can go. Oh, it's a tough one, though, because they're all in the such non-characters. <laughs> and on that note, Tech Wizard. And before I give you the names, let me just let, let you know, there's at least five or six of these characters, but I pick three. People who spend a lot of time on the computer. And uh, the Tech Wizard options are Lan from Freaky Links. Jeez, Freaky Links. Aleph from Global Frequency. And Eve Edison from Man and Machine. All right. I think it's going to be start the paranormal research whatever with, uh, what's her name from? Um, Aleph. What's the show called? Global Frequency. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Aleph from Global Frequency. I'm going to have no feelings that I hide or whatever from um, Land from Freaky Links. And that means uh, Edison, she can go to the little people. I think I'd keep Eve Edison. She's fun to have around. Is she? She's born sexy yesterday. There you go. <laughs> All right. And finally. Who would you send to the mole people then? No, I think I'd send uh, uh, Aleph to the, to the mole people. Interesting. And finally, the most important person, of course, the male lead. And, and just like my useless sidekicks that were all uh, black, they're all white. Uh, so male leads, Derek from Freaky Links, Paul Atreides from Dune, or Jack North from North Star. Mm, interesting. And I mean, this one's not your fault. You had no choice but to pick all white people. It is funny when we start seeing trends in these shows, right? Like the star is almost always going to be a white male. The sidekick is almost always going to be a black male. The love interest is always going to be a white female. It's just like you can just interchange these people. Yeah, we haven't seen too much variation from that, have we? No. Well, I am going to go... If you do anything other than send Paul to the uh, to the, uh, the the mole people, I'll be very surprised. 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, Paul, right to the mole, people. There's not even a question. So I guess that means I think I'm going to start the paranormal research business with Derek from Freaky Links. And Makes sense. I'm going to hide my feelings for North Star. I think that's really the only way you can go in this. I mean, I wanted Greg Evelyn to be in my life for longer, but that character he played, I don't know if I could put up with him. <laughs> for more than five minutes. And that's saying something, considering Derek is such a loose cannon. Well, I mean, the, the thing about Derek is, really, he, he changes not only from episode to episode, but scene to scene. So you don't know what you're getting. That's true. That's true. Well, Jordan, because we're leaving after six episodes, it means we have not watched seven straight episodes of this show. Do you think it's noticeable? Well, what do you think these other episodes we missed are going to be about? I'm going to give you the titles, and you tell me what you think these episodes were. Okay. There was Subject, The Harbingers. Oh. How do you pronounce that? Uh, Harbingers, H-A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R-S. Hmm. I think it's a bit of a fake out in this episode. And what it is, is that's the name of the people that own the house beside Derek. And it's very much like a burb sort of thing. He thinks something's happening and uh, because they're really weird looking. And in the end, they're just they're just nice neighbors. They invite him over for a barbecue. Yeah, it ends with them all having a hot dog. That's pretty good. I like that episode. Yeah. All right. Subject, still I rise. Hmm. I think this is going back to the mythology of the show. We see more appearances of uh, Adam. And he thinks Adam has come back from the dead. And the reason he... Th- thinks that is he goes to visit his grave and his grave has been dug up okay well uh because this is our erotic episode i think it's about uh, freaky boner pills <laughs> that's way better let's just pretend i didn't say anything all right next one subject me and my shadow this one it's actually a land centered episode and she finds that her shadow has a mind of its own and she keeps trying to convince Derek, but he's distracted uh, as per usual on other stuff and uh, it becomes increasingly clear that her shadow is trying to kill her. Oh, I thought maybe her and her shadow put on like a production of Peter Pan. No, 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 no. It's it's much more. Uh, it's much more evil. All right. Subject: the stone room. Jason stops being a freaker, whatever you call it, and uh, he just uh, takes up uh, stone masonry. No, pretty good. Subject: sunrise at sunset streams. This is a bit of a fun episode. It's uh, a Western-themed episode, and uh, they go back in time. Uh, I don't know. Someone can fill in the details, and uh, they have to stop, I don't know, some sort of uh, cowboy villain before he steals all the gold. Great. Subject, live fast, die young. Weirdly, they play these episodes uh, back-to-back, and in the last episode, they went to the past, and this one, he goes to the future. It's actually very much just like Back to the Future 2. He has to go to the future to stop something because... I don't know. His future self tells him to. I don't know. How many more of these are there? I figured this one might be about, uh, you know, that uh, 27 Club where all those like people die young? Yeah, that's right. Elvis and whatnot. Maybe not Elvis. but Yeah, Elvis wasn't in there, but he, he if he wanted to be a member, they'd let him in. Kurt Cobain. Uh, someone else. Janis Joplin. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, he goes to that diner where they're all hanging out in that picture. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, it's, it's one of those. They're all in a picture together playing pool. Yeah, yeah and uh, Derek shows up and hangs out. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. And finally, subject, police siren. Police siren. Hmm. Oh, uh, it's not what you think it is. What it actually is, is uh, they're trying to find out if mermaids are real. And what happened was people have been going missing, but they seem to be specifically police officers 
uh, the ones uh, what do you call the police officers that work out on the boats boat cops i don't know what you call those people boat cop yeah boat cops anyways and uh it's that mermaids are killing them i i also felt like it'd be mermaid so we're in agreement actually it'd be great to see a a, a real good mermaid episode yeah a good mermaid episode sure why not i have a feeling that wasn't close to any of the what they actually were well we'll never know now this week we're we're breaking from tradition usually when we take the escape pod we go directly to the final episode but you really wanted to see the squid you were like squid 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 Yes, I I was very curious about this desert squid episode. So you were you were kind enough to uh, let us do one additional episode this week. Well, I mean, whatever. It's two episodes. They were what they were. They were freaky links. They certainly were freaky links. Yeah, they were. All right, let's let's get started with the IMDb summary for episode five. Subject: Desert squid, myth or legend. Let me just ask you real quick. Do all of them start with subject? Yes, it's like an email. Oh, okay. Derek and his team are in a New Mexico desert investigating freaky reports of a tentacle creature, bracket, dubbed desert squid, end bracket, attacking the locals' livestock. Yeah, that's right. Is that is this by an anonymous person? Yeah, no no one's taking credit for any of these these synopsis. Yeah, it's because it's embarrassing. The uh the episode this week is it's sort of an odd one timeline wise. It's split between like flashbacks and flash forwards. I've kind of just streamlined it into a straight narrative just for the sake of ease. I'm glad you said that because I actually got confused at one point because they kept jumping back and forth. And I'm like, wait, did they just leave the situation that I realized, oh, right, they're just jumping forward in time. Yeah, it did not work, but it was it was unusual for them because usually when they have a, a a sort of narration at the start, it's part of a bookend. But this time it was like spread throughout. But we start in East Texas on a trailer in the middle of nowhere. Well, yes, they've they've uh, they've gone out because they received an email about cattle mutilation, <laughs> cattle mutilations mm-hmm. from a shadowy figure named Falcon. Yeah, yeah, Falcon. It's a uh, W. Earl Brown. Uh, he's a good character actor who I quite enjoy. He is a good character actor. He's one of those once you notice him, you realize he's been in everything. That's true. He's uh, he sent them an email with a little video of him telling them about these cattle mutilations. There's some jokes here about unzipping a file. Is there? Yeah. Well, Chloe's telling Derek she needs to unzip the file so they can watch it. And then like, no, not Chloe. Sorry. Lan is. And then Chloe walks in and she's like, what are you guys unzipping? Like she's making some sort of weird. Ra- oh, she's really right. mean. Yeah. yeah. She's a bit of a bully. It's one of those things where it feels a little bit like the relationship between the characters that the writers are going for is high school. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Falcon kind of tells them to come to uh, Spain, uh, Spano, Texas in East Texas home of the desert squid um and to meet him on a road in a, in a couple days and he'll he'll have a conversation with them yeah and his thick texas accent leads to them not understanding the address and a joke that ran much longer than i realized it was going to he tells them they need to go to six road but what they hear is sex road so that's what they're asking people here's my question for you though luke as an expert on accents are all of these people doing texas accents through this episode because it felt like to me that they hired a bunch of actors who were like, where's this take place in Alabama? Where's this take place? Arkansas, Texas? Because it felt like everyone was just doing a generic Southern accent. I don't, I think they got a budget vocal coach. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyways, is that even a thing? If you're, if you have a uh, accent from Texas, do you say sex instead of six? Well, I immediately knew he was saying six. So I didn't realize they were going to keep saying we're looking for sex road. I'm like, no, you guys, obviously he said sex. Yeah, I think the writer just thought it was really, really funny. He, he did think he was very funny. We get sort of this 
now sort of classic interview interstitial, which we've seen where they they interview a rancher and this lady who's selling vegetables on the side of the road. And they kind of lay out like what could be happening to the cattle out there. And it's either aliens, chupacabras or the famous desert squid. I love that it's always three options. They're very good about laying out three options almost every time. Right before this or right after, Derek refers to his fans as freaks. So by my count, and you might be able to correct me, he's called uh, the people who visit his website freakers, freaks, and was it the Whack Pack? Yeah. I don't know if he's called them freaks, has he? Like, I think... In this episode, he does. He calls them freaks. Oh, I thought he was referring directly to the freak they're they're looking into. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I my note was he called them freaks, but anyways, he's got to make up his mind. I did like that uh, with this one because it, it's clearly going to be a monster of some sort. He refers to this particular freaky link as uh, "Tales from the Crypto." <laughs> That's you know what that wouldn't be a bad name for the show. A little crypto biology joke. Yeah, yeah, it's better than the sex six joke. Absolutely. They uh, they stop in at a diner to get some food, and there's a, a weird argument about vegetarianism that happens with Chloe here. Despite the fact she ate fish two episodes ago. Is the point they're trying to make that she's lame because she's a vegetarian? Is that the joke? It felt like a weird out-of-place joke for when people thought vegetarians was a weird idea. It was one of those odd things. The whole scene seemed like the point of it was a joke, but the joke doesn't really land. And I don't know if that's just because it's now 2019, but... I was like, well, okay, she doesn't want to eat a hamburger. That's the joke? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, to be fair, I gave Jason a line, though. It's true. But the the character actor, John Billingsley, is there uh, playing restaurant owner Joe, one-armed Joe. And um, not to ruin anything, but if you're watching a TV show and a character shows up who clearly has two arms, but they've made him have one arm for one reason, you know something's up. It's a bit of a... I mean... I, I think audience members are savvy enough to know that something's up when you're missing an arm and it just looks like it's tucked behind your back. I'll be honest. I totally missed they didn't have an arm. So I had no idea what was coming. Oh, was really? Until like the end of the episode. Where I'm like, hey, that guy only has one arm. I thought they made it really obvious. He was always kind of swinging around. I, I must have just been making too many notes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll forgive it. Well, well, they finished their lunch. Derek gets up to uh, use the bathroom, but uh, someone's using the stall. So he does the only thing he's, he has, he is, you know, the only option available. <laughs> And he pees in the sink. Or he goes to anyway. He tries to until Vince Elsing returns after a four-episode absence. He shows up and it feels like the reaction from the viewer is supposed to be like, oh, no, it's that mystery. But what it really feels like is, oh, it's that guy again. Why is he here? There's this weird thing of, I don't know if they just haven't had enough time to establish it or it just is too flimsy to begin with. But do you care when this guy shows up? Do you care about this mystery about his brother? I thought he was just another Texan. Oh, did you? So that there, that's the little impact he's had that he just showed up. You didn't even know who he was. It took it took a few minutes because when he shows up, the first thing he does is he tells him not to pee in the sink. And I'm like, yeah, good advice. But it becomes a whole thing about get out of here and this is a mystery and you shouldn't be involved sort of thing. Yeah, it's very cryptic. And he like Batman vanishes again. Like Derek turns around and turns back and he's gone. I, I know they won't. But do you think the writers had a reason in mind why he was able to do that? No, absolutely not. Right. I actually think we'll get into it as we go through the episode. I think they're retconning his character quite a bit this episode. I agree with you. I think you're right. I think whatever they wrote in that pilot, they regretted and we're trying to like walk it back. I, I agree with you. But 
Anyway, Derek doesn't get any answers about his brother. He leaves the bathroom. There's a black SUV watching them. And uh, he gets back together with Jason and Chloe. And they head on out to Falcon's house, which is uh, on the side of the uh, the side of Sex Road. And it's been trashed. It's one of those uh, classic places where when you go in, it's messy. But there's a lot of like pictures on the wall and articles, you know, that sort of like they're solving a mystery. There's string attached to the pictures, and that's what every crazy person does. Yeah, exactly. But with no one there, they they step outside, and Derek almost gets run down by an RV. So this kicks off a big uh, car chase sequence. Now, they start chasing and to the point where they see a dog on the road, and he tries to stop, and you think at first he might have hit the dog. Yeah, there's like a squeak sound, and a big splash of blood hits the window. And uh, the dog was in front of the car. What happened to him? Because the dog, as we did mention as we never mentioned before, was old one-armed Joe the diner's dog who was wandering down the street. Do you see the dog here? I know it's not the dog they hit, but I can't remember if you actually see him or not. I don't think you do. When they get out to look at the dog that they think they've hit, what they see is a huge, gross, wriggling tentacle in the middle of the road that they've run over. It looks like they hit a octopus. A desert squid. tentacles left. Yeah, it's a desert squid. Yeah, it looks like they hit a desert squid. Exactly like that. The tentacle is great. It's awesome. It's just I thought it was great too. Jiggling around, it looks super gross. <laughs> and I think they knew it. They knew it looked good too because they do a ton of close-ups and then they sort of like pan the camera out as they all stand around it. They were like, "We paid money for this animatronic. We're gonna sell it." Absolutely. They they scoop it up into a box and head to a local motel to look into it. And we get another. This, this is like our third character actor shows up here. Les, uh, Leslie Jones or sorry, Leslie Jordan. Oh, was, I don't. I didn't recognize this person. Oh really? He's he's in a lot of stuff. He uh, he's always very very good. If you if you look into him, he kind of plays um, just always this kind of weirdo, a little bit effeminate kind of character. He I think he was in a really he's done a few good things with like um, I'm gonna forget his name. The guy who does like American Horror Story and Glee and stuff. But he's a very fun character actor. Oh Ryan Murphy. Oh thank you Ryan Murphy. But after the brief interaction with this motel owner who's who's just trying to sell them like t-shirts of the desert squid like everyone in this town is trying to really monetize this desert squid it's not a mystery yeah and it's one of these scenes where it's in there to add a little bit of levity to the episode so they're there trying to check into this kind of seedy motel he's giving them the rules about the place and while they're interacting with him the box keeps kind of jiggling because the tentacle apparently is not dead and it's seemingly got a mind of its own and it's trying to get out of the box so they have to keep making excuses you know what's in the box who knows and, and Luke, how do they eventually convince him? Well, they tell him it's a fish. He says, you can't have food in the room. They say they're going to eat it raw. He's like, you're going to eat it raw. And they're like, yeah, you can't. We can eat it raw because it's the Sabbath. Yeah, that's right. Very weird chain of events. They say it's the Sabbath and he's not allowed to knock him the room based on religious grounds. So he's like, I guess I'll let it go. But I was like, it, yeah, that raises some questions. But anyway, I'll allow it. I guess they just needed another 30 seconds to fill up the show. Yeah, I mean, that's what it kind of feels like. Because we go into the room and they're they're examining the tentacle uh, before Jason notices these black SUVs pulled up outside of their door. And they're sort of freaking out now. They they think someone's out to get them. And as they kind of look at this SUV, the tentacle escapes through the box and starts crawling around the room. Yeah, so let me ask you. All we know at this point is that it's a tentacle, uh, seemingly part of another monster. But based on what we're seeing, each tentacle can act independently. So every time the squid monster loses an arm, it has a mind of its own and just goes off and does its thing. 
or maybe it's like when you cut a chicken's head off those nerves are still kicking for a while a very oh, okay. long yeah, while maybe. i don't know yeah maybe but the point is it's a tentacle jumping around the room and uh they're like what do we do the the guys in the black suv are trying to like pick the door to come in their room because they've shut off the lights so that it doesn't look like anyone's home the tentacle wraps itself around chloe's leg and she starts freaking out and then uh old uh w earl brown uh, uh comes in and he just kicks the door down in a very Terminator-esque line. What does he say? It's great. Because they've, like, kicked the... She's, like, kicked the tentacle off, and it lands on the door. And then they hear gunshots outside, and the, like, black SUV... I guess the people in that run away. And the door gets kicked down, and this guy's standing in the doorway, and he looks at them all in the sort of, like, the fog rolling in from outside. In the backlit moment, he's just like, Y'all the freaky links? <laughs> Y'all the freaky legs? They should have used that in the commercial. I loved it. It was the best entrance I've ever seen. But he basically like, if you want to live, come with me. So they they come with him. And then we start getting a little bit of the back history of at least what he thinks is happening. Yeah, he, he apologizes for trying to run them down. That was his RV. And he he's, he wants to tell them all about the na- the multinational corporation DeSanto, DeSanto, which is after them. Basically, they're some sort of Procter & Gamble type company that sort of has their fingers in a lot of different operations. Yeah, I mean, they're quite clearly standing for Monsanto's. Oh, is that right? I don't even know. Who's Monsanto's? They're the ones who I think make all the the seeds and everything. They make all the genetically engineered seeds that everyone is convinced is a conspiracy. Uh, well, that makes sense then. And Falcon used to work for them about 20 years ago. And this goes into a flashback which actually has a pretty fun little flashback joke at the start of it. Which is that? Well, he starts telling them, and you have to keep in mind, W. Earl is is a pretty big guy, looks pretty grizzled most of the time. I mean, he's a little he's clean shaven in this one, but he's like, he's like, I used to work for them twenty years ago, but keep in mind, I was a lot thinner back then and had more hair, a lot more handsome, and he, they're really setting up to like have another actor step into the role. And as the flashback pans up on him, it's just him. Looking almost identical. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. That was pretty funny. It was, it was a cute little flashback joke. But essentially what we find out is his job was basically DeSanto would have him take stuff from a lab. He would dump it in the desert and bury it, basically. He was just like a fixer, I guess. But one time he looks at the box. And inside the box is basically a body bag. And it's, and it's moving around and it's jumping around. And he basically says he thinks it's a, it was a zombie corpse, at which he says, uh, screw that with a Phillips head. What a line. <laughs> That's your new catchphrase? That's a great catchphrase. And he basically just didn't want to deal with it. So he like pulled this out of the road, threw the body bag on the side of the road, just drove away and quit his job. Yeah, quit his job and sort of dropped off uh, the grid altogether. That it, it was enough of a shock that he's now become this guy who, you know, isn't a trailer stringing yarn from picture to picture. And that's why he wanted to get hold of Freaky Links because he's like, oh, DeSantos is evil, but he has literally zero evidence. So he's actually very unhelpful to them as far as a Freaky Link. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But Derek now kind of obviously there's suspicion about this black SUV and DeSantos and what's going on. And they've got no nowhere to turn. So Derek makes the only decision that makes sense is he uh, he wants to go back to that bathroom and hope that Vince is back there again going to the, going to the toilet. So he hasn't told his friends at this point that he's seen old Vince but I don't know why he hasn't later on they sort of get angry like why didn't you tell us and I think his reason is like I don't know I just didn't but like as a character why isn't he telling them it's something that always bothers me in shows where they set up a conflict or a mystery because someone just doesn't say something for no reason yeah it was it was just mostly to give them something to yell at each other about about five minutes later 
even that argument went nowhere. Yeah, it was just like, we're angry at you. And he's like, yeah, sorry. They're like, all right. All right. But back at this diner, they don't they don't find Vince in the bathroom, but they don't find old one-armed Joe or his dog Pepper either. So they start poking around the diner, trying to see if they can find any any information, any evidence. And they like open a closet or like, look on a shelf, and there's a time bomb with four seconds left. Yeah, they look on a shelf, and Derek pulls it out, and it's sort of like a makeshift looking bomb. He's like, no, four seconds. And then you cut to... You know, the classic outside of the building, all the glass blowing up and exploding. And there's one funny thing because there's a body flying over as well. Yeah, it's it's old uh, Falcon is leaping through the air away from the explosion. Good on Jason. He found that bomb with four seconds to go. And they also really knew how to time it. I've never seen a show where they find a bomb and there's like four. There's no time left on it. I was just like, oh, well, you guys are screwed. But... They're not screwed. That's what you think. And why are they not screwed, Luke? Because they leap into the meat locker, which happens to be an elevator to a secret underground DeSantos lab. This was kind of fun, but I'm going to put out the point that it makes no sense. But it's a fun little thing of like, they, you know, they escape something and, and get into an elevator and then, oh, we've accidentally come into a secret lair. I mean, a secret I laboratory. I think that's kind of what we're starting to see as maybe the strength of this show is they're wanted to be weird and wacky and they're like whatever who cares there's four seconds left on a bomb now they're in an elevator in a basement i think there started i think there was a at least a feeling of an idea of a tone starting to come together unrelated wouldn't it be great if robosaurus came and took that bomb out and saved them if only if only robosaurus had been there <laughs> that's probably a future episode that'd have been great the uh, the secret underground lab it has files that have been burnt up from about 20 years ago. There's some old VHS tapes, which they snag. And uh, it's clear that someone's been squatting down here. And as they're sort of poking around, they, they find the dog Peppers down there. And they figure maybe one-armed Joe has been living down here. And they don't see it, but we kind of see some tentacle arms, like some squid arms coming around and jiggling around in the rooftop. Should we talk about this now? About why don't I don't think this makes any sense? Or should we wait till later? I mean... Do you want it? Does it make sense now? Sure. I don't know. I don't know why you don't think it makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Here's my point. I know. You know, we'll wait till later. We'll wait till later. Okay. I don't know where you're going, so I'm excited to find out. Okay. They uh, need to find another exit out, so they kind of follow the dog Pepper, and he he climbs out a little uh, ventilation shaft, and they get themselves out into the desert next to the blown up restaurant and reconnect with Falcon. Mm hmm. At which point it brings us kind of back to what was the scene of the beginning of the episode where they're they're hanging out in his RV and they're they're watching this VHS tape. And it's on this VHS tape that we find out the retconning they're going to do with Vince Elsing's character. Yeah, he's apparently not a crazy guy in a, in a psychiatric ward. He's was a scientist of some sort that worked for DeSantos. Yeah, he and he, he says, I've been crossing lines, both natural and supernatural, to basically, I guess, what he was doing was attempting to create some sort of regeneration or something i think we'll get into it in a few minutes but like he clearly is a scientist who was doing some sort of crazy experimentation in this underground bunker oh and let me make the one note did you like how uh, chloe had to defragment the static on the tape oh well yeah lan later has to go back and uh, take this oh sorry lan yeah yeah i said chloe when, when lan finally appears yeah she's later they're like uh we need you to do something she's like oh and we need you to defragment the static on the tape and i thought is that how that works like i'm sure there is a technology where you can remove some of the the hiss and stuff but like can you do that can you just digitally fix a scratch tape no i think this was a particularly science fictiony thing that could not happen right but as we're trying to watch this tape uh, a tentacle some tentacles attack the rv chloe gets grabbed and tried to like pulled up to the ceiling 
Falcon saves her by cutting off another tentacle. Did we mention what, what that not only on the tape is Vince, but we see the, uh, what's his face? The diner guy? Well, we don't find that out till she defrags the tape later. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. But after sort of they've saved, it's like a scene, you know, tentacles come down, grab someone, pull her up to the ceiling, and she gets saved, and Jason's all freaked out out of this, and Chloe's been, like, choked out. This is kind of the first time we've seen this, though. Jason just says, that's enough. Freaky link over. We're going home. Yeah, I know. And, the, and they do. Yeah, but Derek's just like, you're right. I got a little carried away. Let's go home. And this is kind of where they end up back at Freaky Link's headquarters. We kind of find out that Chloe's not with them because she went to Chicago for the week, I guess, just to see family. Yeah, because that's why. Yeah, she shows up. She's like, hey, you guys didn't pick me up at the airport. And we're like, we've been busy dealing with a desert squid. Yeah, I like they they drop that line of just how crappy a friend Derek is. She's like, you never picked me up at the airport. He's like, I forgot. But then they also cut to in the the, uh, flashback where she's like, you remember to pick me up at the airport? He's like, I promise I'll do it. It's just, (laughs) I keep thinking, Lan, you could do so much better than this. I mean, that was on Lan. We all knew how that was going to (laughs) end. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. I mean, if you do pick the un- unreliable friend to pick you up at the airport, you have to take some of the responsibility. But this is kind of where Land defrags this VHS tape so they can learn more information about it, which is, which is to say Vince was doing some sort of cell regeneration technology where he was working with squids. And, and we see old one-armed Joe from the diner and a big squid arm slapping his face around on the tape. Yeah, this was a real Spider-Man villain-esque sort of uh, creation video. And uh, the power goes out in the in the house. And uh, as as Derek goes to figure out why the power has gone out, Vince once again just reappears out of nowhere. Only to him. I thought at this point they were trying to retcon that he's actually a ghost or or just part of um, Derek's psyche. He doesn't actually exist because at this point only Derek ever sees him. Do you think maybe that has some validity? Oh, interesting. He's Derek's fight club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a better way of saying it. Could be, because he immediately Batman's out of there again without anyone ever seeing him and no exit. Yeah, so I know that that's my theory. Obviously the show ends and we're never gonna know, but that was my theory now at this point that it's it's all he doesn't actually exist. I mean, we didn't watch a bunch of episodes. Maybe they did explain it at some point. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um but after this brief encounter, DeSanto has a bunch of goons that raid the Freaky Links headquarters and they're they're demanding they don't post any information about the Desert Squid or DeSanto's online and they're being held at gunpoint, but they're rescued by the desert squid. Yeah, he he comes out of the shadows. Uh, so like first you just see his like arm attacking people, and then he comes out when you kind of see the full thing that he's a normal looking guy, except he's got the one tentacle arm that apparently just keeps regrowing. And he sort of does this whole thing about how he just wanted to be left alone and left in peace. And yeah, sure, he's got a tentacle arm. Yes, old old one arm Joe from the diner. He was given a tentacle arm by Vince at some point, and he's been using it to, A, kill cattle occasionally for hamburger meat. Because he says he needed them for hamburger meat. But when they first go to this freaky link, they say that the animals are being, uh, they're not saying the animals are going missing. They're saying they're being found, like, butchered, right? Or, like, they're, am I wrong? Um, There is some indication that uh, several ca- pieces of cattle have been attacked. And, I mean, even in this scene... He says he took some of them for hamburger meat. Yeah, but that's my point. He's not taking the whole... So it's, it's supposed to be the idea that what they should be doing is, is the, the cows should be missing, not that they're fine dead on the side of the road, because if they were dead... But that's the thing, is he says he didn't attack all those cows, and they ask him what? And he's like, yeah, it was probably aliens or chupacabra. There are several right, freaky right. links happening concurrently. 
Right. Because it just, I think it, it just seems like it was a thing to get out of that because they're like, all these cows are being attacked. And then later he's like, yeah, it was me. And uh, I, I butchered them. But I was like, well, they should just have cows disappear then, not had, had their, like, the fine meats cut out. Well, that, I mean, that's, I think that is the gag is that he took some of them, but there are lots more monsters out there. Like, that's the whole setup for that gag. I, I don't think that is very funny. I think it's stupid. Oh, you didn't like, I actually really liked that. I thought it was very funny. Did you? He was just like, oh, he was I just like, like it. oh yeah, I took some of those cows, but I didn't take all of them. They're like, well, who took the rest of them? He's like, I don't know. Chupacabra aliens. What do I know? Which sets us up to uh, him setting up a new restaurant. Well, that's what he says is he, he asks the Freaky Links guys, hey, I do want you to write about this, but like, not only have I been taking these hamburger cows, but like, I kind of use my tentacle arm to set up this squ- desert squid myth which is part of what brings tourists. So if you could please write about the desert squid, don't mention me, just talk about the desert squid. I'm going to get more tourists in. I know my restaurant exploded, but I was actually setting up a brand new one anyway, so it's not a problem. It's called the Desert Squid Diner. It's going to be great. And then we kind of cut to that's what happens, and, and he is doing well. Yeah, he's uh, he's got his dog back because the Freaky Links team borrowed the dog, which is why he's come all the way to Florida to get it back. And... There's a weird gag here, too, where they're like, what are you going to do with all those goons from the Santos? And then they hard cut to the diner and he's like serving a hamburger was. Oh, I see. I, I didn't even catch that. So the implication is he's serving them to people. I mean, there is. I don't know if that's really what's happening, but they make some sort of gag that perhaps he's mm. turned them into hamburger as well. Right. That sort of ends with his successful diner. And the whole town is doing well because they kind of imply that they're all still selling this merchandise for the desert squid. And we see old vince he's having a hamburger and he feels so bad for the squid arm he gave this man that he leaves him a hundred dollar tip but here's my point so DeSantos does a surgery on this guy and they give him an octopus arm right and they know he doesn't really want the octopus arm so what came first the diner or the secret lab underneath because my assumption was the secret lab is where they actually did the surgery yes so, okay, if that's where they did the surgery, why would he set up his diner above that if he just wanted to be left alone by DeSantos? I think the diner was already there. I think DeSantos abandoned the, I think they abandoned the secret lab, which had a diner front already on top of it. When Falcon tossed the body in the body bag on the side of the road, which was Joe alive in the body bag, they had to quickly burn everything down because Joe was running around out there so they couldn't be caught. So they abandoned the entire operation. But why would that be where he started his business? Would you start your business at the the scene of the crime? Well, he had, he had nowhere to go. He had no money. He All he knew was that they weren't coming back. So he could use the diner for his own ends. I don't know. I just It just seems like a terrible spot to open. Like, of course they would know he's there. They hear there's a, a, now a one-armed guy running a diner where they're, they have their secret lab. I don't know. I don't buy it. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's plot holes in this show, I can't see them. <laughs> yeah, you're right no no you're right <laughs> all right you want to move on to uh now that we've seen episode five let's fast forward in the escape pod to episode 13 the final word here's the end of summary for episode 13 subject the final word we discovered that colin wales had a champion someone willing to consider his claim of innocence that champion was Derek barnes a surfer in both senses of the word looking more like a beach bum than a knight in shining armor. He's the self-styled webmaster of an internet site called Freaky Links, a site devoted to the exploration, and some might say exploitation of all things strange, bizarre, and supernatural. 
A special news report covers Derek and his team's attempts to try to prove that a man accused of murder is innocent and that the real killer was supernatural. So this entire episode is basically framed as kind of a 60 minutes hard copy style news program called The Final Word. I think they did a really good job at mimicking that style of show. I thought it was it was really, really well done. Very well executed. Yeah, and I also think, while I don't know if this makes a great episode, I got a hint that this was something the show could have done more in terms of playing with the narrative. They wanted this to be a quirky, odd show. Why not play with the narrative a little bit more and play with the found footage? Because it made more sense in this episode than I thought in most of the episodes. And I thought, oh, this could be something that the show leans into a little bit more. Now, again... I don't know if this is entirely effective, but I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, it's a fun meta narrative. Like everything is, it's like news footage, it's reenactment footage, it's footage from court cases. It's it's all feels like you're watching a, a piece of sixty minute show. Even even as it starts, right. they give the episode like if you just tuned in and they didn't show and you missed the credits of Freaky Links, you would think you were watching something because. The show, the episode of the final word is called A Bump in the Night, and it airs on March 23rd, 2001. It shows the producer and editor's names, just like the beginning of a new show. Mm-hmm. We get to know the reporter, Emma Reed, and we see host Dex Crawford. He's a three-time, or the show's a three-time award winner for journalistic excellence, the Armstrong Award. Yeah. Like, all the details are there. And the graphics are there, the style of shooting, um, the whole look of it. It was, it was really, really well done. Essentially, the story they're digging into on this news program is, the, is a story of murder between friends. Uh, a high school kid turned goth, Colin Wales, is, was convicted of stabbing his best friend, Jimmy Dolan, 77 times uh, over, over his girlfriend, Tawny. And he's now uh, waiting the electric chair. That's a lot of stabbing. It's a lot of stabbing. See, that's why he's such a villain. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And it's got shades. It's not too much, but it's got shades of the West Memphis Three, but not enough to be like, gross or bad like it's just kind of a, 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 a easy thing to lock into like a goth kid gets railroaded it's about as light a a murder mystery of somebody who's being stabbed 77 times as it could be yes and as we follow emma the reporter for final word as she investigates the crime and interviews people in the town she of course crosses paths with the freaky links team as they're doing their own like video footage uh, investigation and freaky links is there because of what colin says killed jimmy I think he he doesn't actually get any more specific than saying a monster killed him. Am I right? Yes. The the only the only adjective he adds to that is it's a flying monster. Oh, flying monster. Excuse me. What we kind of get, though, is because the final word is investigating this and they see kind of what they think is these other investigators who are maybe uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're taking advantage of the situation. Right. And they introduce the Freaky Links team. Of course, we know Derek. He's the entrepreneur. But we kind of get a quick... Their synopsis of kind of the other three characters is great. Because we find out Jason has a law degree from Harvard. Chloe has a degree in folk- folklore, myth studies, and social psychology to the pursuit of the strange, is what they said. Yep. And Lan has a master's in computer sciences from Berkeley. Yeah. So, <laughs> did you not think... They're all way too highly educated to be working with Derek on this sort of uh, a lame website. But more importantly, don't you think Jason's law degree could have come in ha- handy a couple of times? Like, it just seems like they threw him in like, oh, he's got a law degree. I'm like, really? He's never mentioned it before. Well, this is on us. There is a whole episode about it, apparently. Oh, really? Oh, OK. Well, I take it back. They Apparently, he's got a high-powered lawyer dad who he doesn't want to be involved with anymore. There's a, apparently an entire episode in this law firm. <laughs> 
Oh, well, there you go. What were the names of the episodes that you listed? Is it one? It's one of those? It's one of those. I can't remember which one, though. It's it's the one with mermaids, probably. Probably. Please, Siren. Yeah. What I did like, though, is they mentioned, and I'm hoping these are in episodes we didn't watch because it makes me sadder we didn't watch them, but they mentioned a couple other freaky links they got into, one being radioactive kittens that glow in the dark. I don't think that was one, but yeah. And the other being the skunk ape. <laughs> yeah, I think they were just having fun with it. I have, I'm have, i doubtful that uh, those were episodes. Imagine a skunk ape episode, though. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. Anyway, Derek's basically disputing Colin as the murderer, and he's got some good reasons. There's, there's a total lack of evidence at the murder scene. Like there was never the weapon was never found, which they thought was which the prosecutor says is like a, was this little goth necklace he was wearing. But it was never it never yeah. turned up and it was quite small. Couldn't do deep stab wounds. Colin had no blood on him. And uh, the victim, Jimmy, had his kidneys, liver and stomach eaten. Yeah. But the only reason they really found him is because a neighbor who's also having me the English teacher for these two high school kids. He he saw them arguing earlier in the evening and then heard the screaming that night in sort of the school, under the bleachers of the school. So he, he called in 911, and that's sort of how they caught Colin sort of in, around the body of this uh, stabbed-to-death Jimmy. I think he should be played by Luke Wilson. Who, Colin? No, the uh, the neighbor. The oh, the neighbor. called it in. He had a Luke Wilson vibe to him. And that'd be fun, wouldn't it? A weird little camera. Yeah, why not? The Freaky Links think of, of course has been looking into this as well. So they'd gone out the night before and they'd shot a bunch of video footage on the bleachers and they kind of heard something like flapping around on top of them and the whole bleachers were shaking and they're like some weird hand reaching out under them trying to grab at them. And they've given this tape to the final word and the final word's gone to try to verify whether it's real by talking to a Hollywood special effects producer by the name of Roger Spence. Yeah, and he does not like the footage. He's pretty sure it's faked. Um, what I like though is that he goes on and on about all the things that they kind of faked but if you actually when you look at the footage you're like I don't think you need to make an argument at all you can barely see anything that's all you have to say is like yeah you, you can't really say anything after 13 episodes Derek still doesn't know how to film anything they just really wanted that producer to be like a real jerky Englishman that's basically what it is is like don't you hate this guy aren't you on team Derek well it is great when when she interviews Derek and asks him about uh, this this producer who says his tape is fake he's like that guy, he's a thief. He took money right out of my pocket for that last movie he made. <laughs> yeah. Well, which makes you think, maybe Derek is a little unhinged. Derek is a little unhinged. I think that is something we can say for sure. Derek's just yeah. a little unhinged. Mm -hmm. At any rate, Derek is the only person who have really interviewed Colin in the prison. Like, Derek's not really, or Colin, the, the convicted murderer, is not really taking interviews. But because Derek kind of believes him, he goes in and he plays the sounds of the tape for Colin, and Colin freaks out. He's like, that's what I heard. Like, that's what attacked us. You have to help me. Like, that's what murdered my friend Jimmy. Right. And Freaky Links invites the final word to kind of come in and meet with them. And they're really trying to get them on their side. But uh, final word is not buying it. Like, there's, a, there's, they have them come to the office. And Emma, who's the reporter, she starts trying to smear their names by bringing up the fact that I'm not sure if this is a previous episode or just something from her past, but Chloe almost lost her psychology license at some point. Apparently, while she was supposed to help this child who witnessed a fast food massacre, she was she was charged with gross neg negligence for grievous eth for a grievous ethical lapse uh, when she breached confidentiality by sharing patient files with freaky links. I'm almost positive that uh, that was an episode for two reasons. The first being, it's way too specific to 
not be a real episode. And I'm pretty sure uh, that I read somewhere that one of the complaints about uh, fans of the show as to when it was canceled, uh, you know, the usual blaming the network, is that the episodes were aired out of order. And apparently in one episode, Chloe does lose her license. But then that happened before you have another episode where she has her license again. And that was one of the B plots that were out of order when they aired the episodes in the wrong order. Oh, I see. So, yeah, so I guess it's a reference to something. And they're, they're trying to use it to just kind of smear them as, like, charlatans. I also like that after she brings this up, she's like, also, Derek, you have a DUI. <laughs> I know. That was good. And he's like, what does that have to do with anything? I'm just a fun, fun surfer kind of loving guy. But essentially, this basically leads the Freaky Link team to invite the final word team to basically join their investigation, kind of show them how they work. And he's they, like, they sort of pull the camera back for the first time, being like, Hey, you, cameraman, what's your name? I think it was like Bill or Bob or something. He's like, why don't you follow us around? And you, sound guy, why don't you join too? Yeah. It's as if the, as we always see the Freaky Leaks team, like the cameraman, we always see behind the camera, like we always know who's talking. Now the fa- the, the final word team has like a cameraman who talks and we get to see his face. And like, we kind of just like add some characters to the show to like fill out the final word team. What I liked about it though, too, is he was being very smug about it. I liked at one point he's like, you with the camera, why don't you drop the tripod and come out and shoot with us? And my thought was, Derek, so far in all these episodes, you're so bad at shooting your handheld footage that no one believes you because you're always missing the action. Maybe you should just throw your camera on a tripod and just have it stationary. Maybe you can actually catch some footage for once. Well, as you see in this episode, too, even when when Bill, the cameraman, joins them, all his footage is always significantly better than the footage yeah. that's being shot by Jason or Derek. Yeah, because they suck. But I mean, it's logically consistent within the show. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We cut to the kind of, I think what we know now is the like established foundation of the show is a bunch of interviews with locals trying to get an idea of what's going on. This time it's a little later in the show and there's not as much like theory behind it. But they end up talking to a guy who, who sort of says, oh yeah, there's a homeless guy he's talking to. He keeps telling me about giant bugs. You should go talk to that guy. Yeah, homeless Ed. Homeless Ed. Um, at which point we go to sort of an abandoned building where the homeless are hanging out. And uh, as they walk in, our, our cameraman, Bob, is just like, oof, smells like a dead body in here. And I should know. I was in Bosnia for 14 months. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a joke to make. It was, it was odd. I think it was this sort of show that, like, Bob is, like, legit. Like, we can all like Bob. He's cool. Yeah. But isn't, it, isn't that, like, a bit of an insensitive joke? Like, would you kind of be like, man... I'm really starving here at this uh, this uh, rib restaurant, and I would know because I was in the Holocaust. I mean, that is not at all the joke they made. No? I mean, they they had Derek saying how bad it smells in there, and then Bob saying, I know what that smell is. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're right. We'll scratch that. <laughs> it wasn't like they were like, mm, doesn't that smell good? No, it's a dead body. No, I know he wasn't spelling good. It just seems weird to use the, a, a war as a reference of like, can you believe what I've been through? Well, I think it was more to establish him as a veteran, maybe. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. The point of this is they go into this building and they find a cocoon, a, like a very large. Well, you can't even really tell it's a cocoon, but it's a large. Can, sort I think of, you can tell. I knew it was a cocoon. Oh, well, anyways, that's what it looks like. A giant human sized cocoon. So I can you can only guess what's inside. Yeah, uh, Derek pokes at it, and uh, the gooey, gross body of this homeless Ed, like, falls out and, like, goops all over the ground. Yeah, and he's being partially consumed and stabbed, just like Jimmy. It's good effect. I really enjoyed that cocoon. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, 
basically what happens here is is we find out that Lan kind of has an inside person in the coroner's office and she gets him like the sealed autopsy records and everything that happened to Ed matches what happened to this Jimmy kid who died. So they're they're pretty much like on the right track. They know whatever killed Ed also killed Jimmy. And it appears that uh, the body was full of quote unquote bug juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um a couple couple quick notes. Uh the first being Lan is by far the most competent member of this group. She's digitizing footage. She's getting uh resources she's tracking down sources she's the the most competent person of this team that's the first thing we've learned in the show and another thing is they keep they keep cutting to the uh prosecutor in in the case that has colin is that his name yes colin colin's in jail and the sort of that classic uh you know hard copy talking head sort of thing and at one point they're talking to like maybe uh colin didn't do stuff because the evidence and he says he goes proved to me he isn't a serial killer and I love that. I love a lawyer who would just be like, why don't you prove to me you're not you're not a murderer? Prove it. <laughs> it's like, well, that, that's not how it works. What a terrible lawyer you are. That's why he's so good. That's why I got Colin railroaded. I guess, yeah. He's like, Colin, get on the stand. And it's just like, prove to me you didn't kill your friend. How can I prove a negative? You did it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyways, yes, there's a, there's a beetle, beetle fluid or whatever inside the woman or the guy. Yeah, there's a, and it's specifically from a beetle from Malaysia. They do a quick internet search and find out that uh, a local researcher has actually been studying that beetle. She seems to, this researcher thinks there's some something this beetle's like internal organs can do or his juices can do to help fight malignant tumors. Mm-hmm. But that researcher, she also happens to be the wife of the English teacher who called 911. Yeah, old Luke Wilson. I love this line because this was a very dumb but great Derek line. As soon as they find out like, Oh, that wife is also the English teacher, like is related to the English teacher. He turns to Emma, the reporter, and he's like, it's really interesting when things get interesting. <laughs> I didn't catch that line. That's what he said. Yeah. Just like the unusual like coincidence of these two people. He just turns to her. That's his line. He's like, it's really interesting when things get interesting. And so earnest. I was just like, oh, Derek, you're so dumb. At this point in the episode, the character of Derek still doesn't gel for me. Now, it's been six episodes. And I still don't know what he's supposed to be. He's this character of like intense belief. And he's supposed to be the person who articulates these truths. But then they also have him kind of giggle like a stone loser all the time. And I feel these two things don't uh, don't mix very well. It's I mean, yeah, he hasn't. They never quite found the gel for him because they need him to be the molder of the show. But he's more enjoyable when he's the dumb stoner of the show. So, right. I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. You know what you could have done is maybe just given Jason some more lines. Yeah. Honestly, you could have just, like, shuffled some of that belief somewhere else and made... Because Derek keeps saying he's an entrepreneur. They're just trying to make some money on this website. And he wants to help people. Like, he he's genuinely a nice guy. But if you just made Jason, like, some driving force where he really believed, you could make him that character. Right. But yeah, it, it feels like they want him to be everything. So it doesn't quite make sense what his character is while you have three other characters they're investing no time into. Yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly the flaw of this show. Even in the YouTube comments on the show, which obviously the YouTube comments are, are relatively glowing. People like it. They like to talk about it. But even in the YouTube comments, I saw people being like, Derek's character never really made a lot of sense, did he? Like people were saying that. 
Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that is one of the major takeaways of the show is that the main character that they're trying to sell to the viewer is one of the weak points of the show, not because of the performance, but just because the inconsistencies and the amount of uh, hats they make him wear for no reason other than they want him to. Yeah, it was such a solvable problem. Right. So now the Final Word team and the Freaky Leaks team, they're, they're teaming up and they're heading over to the old teacher's house to find out what's going on. No one answers initially, so they start looking around the house and peeking around, and they, they find one room that's been barred and locked from the outside. <gasps> yeah. And so Derek just, like, kicks his way in. Well, when they look through the window, they do see, the like, the like the back of the head of a woman who seems to be locked in this room. And, and Derek, you know, he's not law enforcement. He doesn't care. He's just like, we got to go in and save her. And he does kick down the front door. And everyone's just like, well, it's open now. So they all go in. Well, none of them are cops. They're just a bunch of like hungry reporters. And they go into the house. And what I like is there's beetle research everywhere. You're yeah. like, wait a minute. This is weird. There's beetle stuff everywhere. I mean, it checks out. This lady definitely is researching beetles. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But they, they turn the wife around in the, in the swivel chair she's sitting in. And it's pretty good. She's been hollowed out from the inside. Yeah. And, and, and it's a good, pretty good effect. Yeah. She looks pretty gory. There's just like an open rib cage. And laying near her even is is the uh, the murder weapon or the the goth necklace they thought had killed Jimmy. So it, all signs point to this room. And it, it's looking better and better for Jimmy. And the, the husband walks in, I guess. Oh, no, Jimmy. Sorry. It, it's looking better and better for Colin. That's right. It's looking better and better for Colin. The husband, who I guess was somewhere else in the house, maybe just watching TV, he, he walks into the study. He's like, oh, hey, what's everybody doing here? I loved it. It couldn't have been more awkwardly awkwardly normal that he just walks in he's like oh hey guys uh, i see you broke into my house and you've noticed my wife here with her uh, cavity open he i think we're supposed to think maybe he's a little unhinged now because he starts talking about how his wife never meant to hurt anybody she's just trying to help she's trying to she's trying to save people from cancer um she she cross-typed her dna with the beetle yeah she really flied herself she got jeff goldblumed herself i don't even know what cross-typing your dna means but uh i do i do like that she did it yeah it's the fly yeah, she didn't mean to harm Jimmy or homeless Ed, but uh, but he, he needed to help her. He needed her to be free. And we, we cut to our cameraman, Bob, Derek, and Jason upstairs with their own cameras looking around, and we hear this like weird noise, and they turn around. There's a giant beetle on the wall of the attic. And, and it's huge. It's, I would say it's bigger than a human, wouldn't you say? It's pretty huge. Like, I'm guessing it craw- when, when she metamorphosized into that beetle, it crawled out of her chest and has just kept growing as it ate yeah. people. Anyways, it looks huge. You get actually some, a few at least decent shots of it as opposed to mostly Derek's footage, but... Uh, it looks gross. And it looks pretty good. Yeah. It looks very cool. It it starts beating its wings and like smashes through a window and like it cut the cameraman's head, which I thought was going to be like a thing where he turned into a beetle later, but that's that's not what's happening. It just like hurt him and then like the beetle escapes into the night. Yeah. And sort of ends it sort of concludes the episode because this is all on tape and obviously the final word has the footage but they're they're like we showed it to a bunch of beetle experts and we could get no real conclusion about it they agree it looks like the beetle but they say the beetle could never grow that big so they they don't really know what to make of it the the husband ends up uh, admitting he like he confesses to the murders of homeless ed and jimmy and basically takes the blame of it all on himself and colin is released from prison so the final word is kind of close the case with the help of freaky links he never does actually say his wife did it though it's one of those things where he's very vague for no real reason he's just like like so uh you did kill the people he's like 
well, they're free or something like that. It was like, okay, why don't you just say my wife became a cockroach and killed everybody? Well, I think they're supposed to, I think they're trying to imply with the nonchalantness earlier, like he's kind of lost his mind maybe. Maybe. Because they ask him, it's like, did you kill your wife? And he's like, I had to set her free. The implication being what he was setting her free from is like she turned to a beetle and was stuck inside of her human body and he had to help her get free. But right. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's basically like that prosecutor who just railroads everyone's like, all right, not you. Uh, you then you're going to jail. Well, you have to prove you're not a serial killer. You have to prove it and you can't. So you're going to jail. Exactly. But the whole episode kind of finally ends like the credits roll on final word and the the camera finally pulls out from a TV and turns around and shows the entire Freaky Links team watching the news, the news report. And they're all just like watching the credits roll and the camera pushes in on Derek. And finally, Derek says, do I look fat? And then he mugs to the camera directly to the viewer of like a ain't I a stinker sort of look. It would have worked if he hadn't mugged to the camera. I would have accepted that stupid line at the end. I, I can't tell you how much I hated that little look to the camera at the end. I don't know what they were going for. Was it just to irritate me? That's what their hope was? You have to think of it. It's like early 2000. It's like, it's all irony. Like we're about to get into movies where everyone's winking at the camera because we all get it, right? Yeah. It's it's sort of, it was a bad trope of the time that was really kicking off around now. And the fact is, if he had if it had ended with him saying something dumb, like, do I look fat? And like being earnest about it. It's fine. It could have worked. It could have been a joke. But like the fact that they have to have him like look at the camera and wink at you, it, it was a sign of, of things to come in media around that time. Right. Fair enough. And that's it, though. That's the last episode of the series. That's what we end on. That that wraps up the the first and only season of Freaky Links. Now, I went back and I sort of dug around because I like this is the last thing we should look into everything we can before we wrap up the show. And I went in and kind of dug around on that website a bit more just so I could try to figure out what was going on, try to get a little more like information because there's a lot of blog posts on there. There's sort of a lot of details around the shows that were actually airing, or at least that's what I think the idea was. Right. But I think what what's interesting on that website is because the show, I think, paused so much and kept like they kept bringing it back later, like four episodes here and then a few months later, four more episodes. And it was clear they were leaving it to die, the network. I read, and I don't know how true it is, but I heard... They got canceled and then renewed by Fox or canceled then changed the decision three times within the season. Yeah. And I think if you look at the website, it's quite clear what was happening there was quite a bit different than what was happening on the show in some ways. In that there seemed to be like when I was going through it, there's sort of like a separate cliffhanger that wraps up the show that is unrelated to what's happening in the TV show, actually. Really? And it's a bit of a meta narrative. Like they're clearly like there was some sort of character who was on the website who would pop up in the chat room occasionally and talk to fans and like go onto the forums and leave hints about stuff. Uh, Someone with a username Nexus. Hmm. And in all the blog posts, you can kind of see Derek and the other characters are trying to figure out who Nexus is. It seems to be their smoking man or something. And Nexus will pop up in on other websites and other like places that related to the show sort of building kind of like a mystery or a puzzle for the fans to solve is nexus supposed to be maybe uh what's his name clive what's it vince i honestly don't know i mean it's possible but the deviation i feel like was happening between these two things are maybe meant that like there was maybe this was an early idea that never gelled on the show when they rewrote it right i don't know but at any rate in the end there's a bit of a cliffhanger that goes back for several weeks i think they were running the website, but it was, the writing was on the wall and they didn't know they were ever going to air those last four episodes. And so they basically came up with their own kind of cliffhanger that they ran over several weeks leading up to this point. 
right for a final shutdown because the final cliffhanger is is all about uh derek trying to get a hold of um this nexus character apparently he sent him an email and he goes off to try to get a hold of him because this guy's got information about his brother or what have you and then the final few weeks on the website lan starts making posts being like i can't find derek derek's gone missing jason thinks he knows where he is now jason's gone missing I haven't heard from them in a while. And the final, basically, blog post is is an audio file or a, a cassette tape she receives, and she uploads the audio file. And the audio file is Derek being tortured by someone with the orders to close down the website forever. So it seems like the website was pushing much more into the mythology uh, than this than the show ever ended up doing. Yeah, I think the website certainly probably had a better idea of how to build a mystery and spread it out across a few websites and like bury clues places, which is, I think, maybe what people remember the most about the show. In fact, on the on the YouTube videos, the first three or four episodes, there's one guy who just posts on everyone's like, hey, guys, remember the Freaky Links forums? And do you remember Nexus? Like he's mentioning that stuff, which isn't in the shows that we've seen at all. Right. Granted, we didn't watch seven episodes, but I, you know, I think it's clear that people were more interested in what was happening behind the scenes than what was happening in front of the camera. They clearly wanted to have it sort of be a monster of the week sort of episode. Do you think that was the right decision for them, or do you think they should have leaned more into the mythology? Because if you watch a show like Harsh Realm, they really did lean into the mythology. Now, not necessarily to the most effective results, but that was the direction they went into. Right? They're like, we're going to go all into this world as opposed to this, which they seem to abandon right away. I think Monster of the Week was what worked best for it. I think you could have had some minor mythology running, but the monster, like the most fun episodes, were like Squid Arm, Pterodactyl. Now we're uh, now we're an episode of Final Word. Like they're great. They're great episodes that way. I think I agree with you. And and to my point earlier, I think if they started playing with the format a little bit more, because they clearly wanted to have this integration on, you know. I hate to say it on various platforms on the internet and I'm sure if it was kept going it'd eventually be on your phones and and TV and they they obviously want to play with the found footage versus the more traditional TV sort of stuff. I almost feel like it would have been a strength of the show if they had just gone gone for it. Like done every episode you don't know what to expect on this episode. Yeah. You know, maybe this whole thing will just be Derek talking to the screen directly. Maybe the next episode will be an entirely found footage episode. Maybe the next episode will be audio clips with pictures you know who knows there's so many things they could have done i think essentially i I, probably just didn't a develop long enough and then b when it was getting ready to go clearly had to be was retooled entirely from a network who was tired of making x files you're probably not wrong because it kind of shows it just feels like already this sort of idea of these sci-fi mysteries seem tired well let's uh let's rate these two episodes and we kind of talk about the series as a whole and then wrap it all up okay subject desert squid Myth or legend? Okay, you're gonna like this episode much more than I did. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm almost changing my opinion now, uh, and I, I think I am after talking to you because I think you liked it more than I did. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Originally, I was gonna give it a five out of ten. Oh wow! I mean, it's a very silly episode. There's no question. And but I loved watching that stupid squid arm when we finally saw one arm Joe and like the squid arm squidging out of his hand out of his shirt. Even when he sucked it back into his shirt, there was something so campy and dumb about it. Like it was fun. It was just a fun episode to watch. I- I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. Well, we're not too far off. No, not too far off at all. Um, and then I guess let's let's do the final one. Subject. Final word. Now in a reverse, I was going to give this a seven. 
But because of that stupid mugging at the end of the episode, I'm taking a whole point off because I hated it so much. And it's getting a six out of ten. Because I actually really liked the format. I didn't think it entirely worked, but I liked that they were playing with how they were presenting the show. Yeah, I I gotta say, I love a little meta narrative like that. And I loved how much they committed to it. Like the commitment to it was complete. Is it perfect? Right. No. But the actual commitment to the idea of the editing and the and like how that the kind of show works and how you would like combine these two programs to make it like a click, it's all there. And I have a real soft spot for that kind of thing, like a real soft spot. Like it's super mm. fun to me, even when it's not perfect. It's a nine. Oh my gosh, a nine! You've just you've just raised the score of the show to uh, probably one of the the much better shows. And I gotta say, it's my own fault because I gave those first two episodes such bad ratings, and they were bad episodes. And the rules are the rules, but I think there's a flaw within our own system because I think con- I think this is the, our most controversial series. I think we left it too soon. Well, you might be right. I have a feeling, uh, and maybe I'm more pessimistic. I think it was never going to get much better than what it is. I think you're probably right. There'll be a couple fun episodes, but I also think three quarters of the ones we missed will just be boring, unforgettable slogs. I don't think so. I honestly think they weren't ever going to be better than what we've seen for sure. But I think if they kept up the weirdness of these monsters of the week... It, it would have been f- like I would have at least had fun watching the episodes like if I was going to watch a squid arm or a pterodactyl like I'm like oh that's weird and stupid great I think though the inherent problem of the show will still be there though and the problem of the show is Derek and no matter if the episode's fun or it's bad or it's scary or it's ironic or whatever it is Derek is the character they're going to give all of the focus to and all the lines to and he's going to be the driving force and I just don't know if they know what he's supposed to be. Is he sincere or is he cool? Is he laid back or is he focused? Is he funny? Is he dark? They don't even change him from episode to episode. They change him from scene to scene depending on what they need the plot to be. So no matter how fun an episode might be, it's always going to be held back by how poorly written his character is. I mean, you're not wrong in that he's so inconsistent. But on the on the grand scheme of these kind of shows... At least he's not like a cool guy jock who we're supposed to like think is the most awesome guy who ever walked the earth every single time. It's very different than the uh, sort of 70s and 80s leading man we've seen where you're inherently supposed to like him just because he's handsome. They, yeah. They're not they're not leaning on that. I mean, that's not entirely true. They lean a little bit on it, but not in that sort of uh, machismo way. Yeah, I mean, they do. But those are the uh, that's the thing is I think the episodes that weren't going to work we're probably going to be the darker, more mythology heavy episodes where we are supposed to like really take him seriously as a dramatic character. And then the episodes that probably would be good are the like the stupider, weirder ones. So the basic point is the show should have been dumber and stupider and more fun. And it would have been a much better show. Well, I mean, like I said, I I'm going to I'm, I'm going to assume our listeners are going to going to be up in arms about the most controversial leaving of a series ever. Yeah. Well, you can always go watch it on your own time. Maybe I will. We'll find out. Yeah. There you go. If I didn't have to watch other stupid shows every week, I might. Have That's true. It. That's true. It doesn't leave a lot of time. <laughs> um, do you want to know what the final rating for the show is? Yes, please. According to the Continuum Drag Computers, the uh, final rating for Freaky Links after six episodes is 5.64. So, yeah, it went over. Yeah. 
This is definitely going to be the first time a show that we ejected out of ended up being above the five range. Yeah. Well, I mean, your nine really saved it. I was. I love that episode. That was a lot of fun. That episode. Mm. Yeah, that was okay. I think that last shot just really killed it for me. It's not anyone's fault. It was a time. It was the time. It is someone's fault. It's whoever did that. Whoever did the final episode of Freaky Links. You're in trouble with Jordan. Well, whoever said, hey, by the way, have him like look at the camera and be like, ooh, what me worry? <laughs> That'd be great if he said that. That would have been a 9 out of 10. He he had the mask on from uh, from, Mad. from Mad Comics for no reason. That, then I would be like, uh, can we give this 11? All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Feel free to write into us at continuumdrag at gmail.com with any of your thoughts on Freaky Links. Yeah, and, and you'll be watching the episodes on your own on a separate podcast, and people can talk to you about episodes 6 through 12, right? Hey, maybe. Maybe I'll just come back. Maybe bonus episodes where I finally get around to watching the rest of them. There you go. Uh, you can find some clips and some images. and Sure. Anyway, we'll put those up on Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag. And uh, next week, we're going to come back. We're going to do a TV movie next week. And what's it called? Is it Search for the Gods? Searching for the Gods? Search for the Gods is, ne- is next week's episode. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I don't know too much about it, but I, I'm sure it's going to be a, I don't know, banging good time. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, Jordan, I've got two ways to wrap up this episode. Oh, okay. One is I could say, Jordan, what you search for might get you. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's the first one. Which is the end of the opening credits of, of Freaky Links. What's the audible? What's the second one? Uh, the second one would be, uh, well, Jordan, been great 69ing with you. <laughs> Well, I think the first one's better. I, I The other one's funnier, but I think the first one's better. Great. Well, we put them both in now. So, <laughs> Jordan, until next week, what you search for might get you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, truer words are never being said. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.